You're listening to the Social Spectrum Podcast with Gina Galliotto. Here we prove that success on social media and in entrepreneurship is not one size fits all and discuss thriving online through the lens of different personality types, lifestyles, and neurodiversity. Success lives on a spectrum, so your impossible search for the one right way to grow your online business ends here. On the Social Spectrum Podcast, we'll unfold your right way instead. Let's dive in. UGC. I know you've been waiting for this one. You've probably been hearing about UGC constantly on your feed. I know it is such a hot topic right now. So today I'm going to be sharing about what exactly UGC is, why the hell everyone seems to be talking about it, and three big UGC mistakes I've made this year that you can avoid if you create or want to get into creating UGC for yourself. So first of all, UGC stands for User Generated Content. And user-generated content means any content that's created by consumers, but not by the brand itself. So the brand may use this content on their social media channels, in the ads you see scrolling your feed that have the button on them, or in other marketing materials. And one of the reasons everyone is talking about this lately is because it does not require a certain follower count. Since the content largely is not being posted to the actual creator's channel, and instead is being used elsewhere, this is why the follower count of the creator doesn't matter. That creator can still get paid a full-time income to create this content for brands, which is the second reason everyone is talking about UGC, because it is freaking life-changing. I'm talking make $500, $1,000 for making a 30-second video type of life-changing. <laughs> and if you're asking yourself, why would brands pay that money? to get content created by just an everyday person without a following? And the answer is because UGC converts much more sales for brands. Think about yourself as a consumer. Imagine you're online shopping for something in particular right now. Think of something you actually need in real life or currently want. So you go to a brand's website or social media which sells this item, but you've never tried that brand or product before. And You see a professionally produced image of a professional model using the product with text written by the brand's professional copywriting team that claims that this product works. Do you press purchase right then and there? Maybe, but probably not, right? You probably keep scrolling a bit. Now, say you come across some reviews and photos from everyday users and customers of this item, and they also say that this product works. And maybe they even post videos or photos of them using the product too, or some before and after photos. Whose word are you going to take for it when considering this purchase? The brands or the customers and the consumers? You probably trust the consumers more, right? Because they're not the one benefiting from your purchase. They're not the one pocketing your money or the ones with some big unrelatable team behind them. And that is the same exact reason social media UGC, which is created by individuals or consumers or creators, convert better than content produced by the brand itself. So all of that being said, I'm one of the people making a full-time income from user-generated content. I have been for almost two years now. And even though I do happen to have a following of 100,000 on my TikTok, The majority of my UGC income comes from content I make that is posted off of my channel, off of my TikTok, and used by the brands for ads, etc. 
And I've been paid to create well over 100 videos for brands now. And you do not see 100 sponsored posts on my page. And that's because that content is off my channel. And I have made plenty of mistakes along the way. But today I want to share about three that I've made all within just a couple of months this year. And these mistakes cost me both a lot of time and a lot of money. So in this episode, I want to help anyone listening slow down and avoid these same mistakes if you currently do UGC or if you are interested in getting started in it. So mistake number one, you know those days or weeks when you keep accidentally screwing up in the same way? Like, you know, when you get into a phase where you just keep dropping shit or you keep losing the same item or or you just keep getting your belt loop caught on the door or whatever it is that keeps making you more progressively frustrated with yourself. That is how this mistake was. It was a mistake that actually turned into three mistakes. So what happened is I had three UGC ads due in one week, which was fine if I managed my time correctly. So I completely finished the ad that is due first, right? I concept it, I script it, I film the footage, record the voiceover, edit all of it, only to then realize that I had left a competitive logo to this brand in the background of the footage almost the entire video. So the ad I was creating was for an app that offers meal plans. And so I did all of this work cooking in my kitchen for this partnership, but I had left a HelloFresh flyer on my refrigerator in the background. So I essentially had to start over and I was so frustrated with myself already, obviously. I had some footage I could use. I could use the voiceover, but that was it. I literally had to buy new groceries (laughs) to refilm this content. And I did notice this mistake before actually submitting the content to the brand, which, you know, they were grateful for, but it did cause me to have to submit it a little bit late. And being late on that first three of the ads for the week really got me frazzled and rushed for the other two. All of these three ads happened to be like really big ones. And by that, I mean either high effort or for partners I really wanted to impress. And so Now I'm going to sound dumb for this next part, okay? I made the same exact mistake for all three of these brands that I had due this week. All three. I know you're like, how? How, Gina? (laughs) I'm going to explain. So the next ad that I filmed that week was for an online planning software. And again, I was already feeling rushed because I was a little behind on my schedule. And I had started filming this content and I had left the icon for my day-to-day planning software in my like dock at the bottom of my computer. So when I was showing the screen to display the planning software for the ad I was creating, that competitive logo was again right there at the bottom too. Fortunately for this one, I caught it about halfway through the process, but it still caused me to be behind on my schedule again. You know, I got even more frazzled at that point. And so now going into this third ad of the week, I know you're probably like, how? But what happened is I got tunnel vision. So for the third ad I was creating for a software, again, so this was again being filmed on my computer similar to the last ad, I was like, okay, I've got to make sure that there's no competitive logo in the dock. (laughs) So I'm looking through the dock. 
I find one competitive logo, it's Canva, and I remove it from my doc. And I'm like, yay, good job, Gina. (laughs) You're not going to make this mistake again. Bada bing, bada boom. Only to realize I had left Canva, the same competitive logo, freaking bookmarked in my browser as well. So I had gotten tunnel vision on my doc. And so even though it was teeny tiny, the Canva logo had still snuck into the content. And for this one, fortunately, because of the specific angles I had filmed in it, the logo was a lot easier to remove. I did not have to re-edit completely or refilm completely. I just had to like zoom in or crop the clips to hide it. But even still, this was the time that broke me. Even though it was like the easiest one to fix, I was so mad at myself, as you can imagine. And I had a good solid breakdown and pout about it after that. So (laughs) please to avoid all of this time lost and possible late submissions and frustration, check everywhere for competitive logos before filming UGC. In fact, a lot of brands just prefer no logos at all, even Nike symbols on your shirt. Try to wear plain clothes. So don't be like me. Slow down. Be super intentional so you don't lose hours of your freaking time. It's better to slow down and be efficient than to rush through it and then make a bunch of mistakes that you have to fix in hindsight. So yeah, don't lose all that time and potentially years of life and your stress off your life. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about mistake number two. Mistake number one costs me a lot of time, but this mistake, mistake number two, costs me a lot of money and a little bit of heartbreak. (laughs) So I make a deal with a brand for $1,500 for two 30-second videos, plus I think it was 30 days of whitelisting rights. And I read the contract very carefully, as I always do. I catch some things that need to be adjusted because I didn't agree to them. And they adjust the contract. They agree to adjust it. They're like, oops, sorry, we'll fix it. They send it back. And then I review it again, and I think it looks good. So after that, I sign it. And again, I think it was tunnel vision that was really my mistake here. And at this point, I you know, was widely paying attention to the areas I requested to be revised in the contract and not really considering the fact that I may have missed something the first go around. And I was just skimming the rest of it the second go around. So I deliver the first video and they love it and everything is going great so far. But then I get a message from the brand's agency asking for the raw files from the content. And if you don't know what raw files are, they're the unedited clips. So no filter, no text, a little longer, all of that, each clip from the video. And I'm like, We can talk about it for an extra fee because raw files is something that I charge additionally for. Obviously, I said it more professionally than that. And anyway, the brand agency responds saying that the brand also has the rights to the raw footage of the content for the duration of the whitelisting period to run different ads. And she includes the section of the contract for me to reference. And what do you know? There it is. I had missed it the first time. And I had not negotiated a rate for it because I had missed it. And that one contract mistake cost me upwards of $1,000. And more importantly to me, honestly, 
it's about what can be done with the raw files. I honestly never offer them because they can be manipulated in so many different ways. And I mean, I trust this brand not to do anything sketch with them. But in this case, I just ended up having no choice because I had already signed the contract. So please do multiple read-throughs of your contracts thoroughly. I know it's a lot. I know it's overwhelming to read them. But truly, once you understand what all of the terms mean, it gets so much easier to read them and so much faster, which is why it's something I cover in depth in my UGC A to Z course, because a lot of brands underestimate the creator's ability to read and understand content licensing in contracts. And I find that knowing that and knowing what I'm talking about in that area really gives me an upper hand in negotiating way higher rates because they usually know they can't sneak something by me. And so again, please slow down and read your freaking contracts. (laughs) And last but not least, mistake number three. So a brand had come to me because they saw me in an ad I'd created for a different brand. And the new brand DM'd me saying they had never worked with a creator before, but they wanted to get started. And am I interested? And so we obviously hopped over to email and then we got on a Zoom call and we started negotiating from there, which is all super normal. And I was really excited about this. Like, I was super excited about the idea of being the first creator this brand had partnered with for ads for a couple different reasons. Number one, I was flattered they were even considering me as the first creator that they would work with, obviously. And number two, I was excited to see what kind of results I could get for a brand new company. They were so new that I was dealing with the founder of the company instead of like a social media manager or a social media agency. And so I was really excited about that. That was exciting to me. And so I create the content and I deliver it and they're happy with it. But then they ask me if the cost to run the ad, like the actual ad spend that will go behind getting the content I created out to other people is included in the payment that they made to me. For creating the content. And if you don't know, that is not at all how it works for ads in a creator and brand relationship. The creator makes the content, the brand pays to push it out to people using a specific budget that they have set aside for ad spend. And I was used to working with like larger, more established brands. And these brands usually have like whole ads teams. And so it's truly definitely not the creator's responsibility. In fact, Most brands will tell you that they definitely don't want the content creator choosing how the company's ad spend or money in general is being used. And so obviously I say, no, you know, the ad spend is a fee incurred by the brand. I just create the content. Obviously at this point, though, already I feel very bad about this. Like I'm very upset about this miscommunication and the fact that they didn't realize that there were additional fees when it comes to running ads. I I didn't want them to think I had like scammed them into something, you know, since this was their first time. And I didn't want to be giving them a bad taste in their mouth about working with creators, just, you know, the whole thing, the whole vibe was off. And so I kind of felt that, you know, and I felt their frustration, the founder's frustration. But regardless, they were okay with it. And Then it progresses from there. (laughs) So they go to run the ad. They're like, okay, we'll have to pay for it. I get it. But then they go to actually like set the ad up and they come back to me and they're like, okay, so how do we do it? 
you know, how do we set it up? And I, again, I had to explain like, that's not a part of the process that I usually handle. The brand side ad manager may look different than on my end. And also I never like actually run ads myself. I just create the content. So I wouldn't feel comfortable advising you how to best use your ad spend money or budget, you know? And then again, they did seem frustrated that that wasn't something that I could do for them. So I felt really, really bad at this point. And so I did end up sending over resources to try to help them as much as possible with the setup without, you know, advising too far beyond my expertise. And by the end, everything truly was smoothed over with the brands. Like they really were understanding of the whole situation. They acknowledged like, I'm sure that they just like were new to it. And they ended up getting set up with meta support, I think, to help them set the ad up. So, you know, all is well. But moral of the story is if you're going to work with a small business or new brand, just make sure everything, the entire process is extremely clear. Consider that kind of a part of your job more so in those circumstances where you're just making sure they understand the entire process and setting expectations. Everything turned out okay, but ultimately I had like a stomach ache for days over the fact that this person thought they were paying for more than they ended up getting from me. You never want that. And so it did cost me a lot of extra time. It cost me a lot of extra back and forth trying to help this brand out as much as possible, obviously. So like I said, all of those mistakes happened in like a couple month period. And it just goes to show that even creators who have been in UGC for a while still need to keep their attention high and to keep learning. And again, that is why I created my UGC A to Z course. It was truly born out of the desire to create a resource that meets someone where they're at, beginner or experienced, and takes them to a full-time sustainable income by creating content for brands. So you know, while living these three UGC mistakes was not fun (laughs) at all in the moment, there were tears and heartbreak, which sounds dramatic, but it's like so true. I really am glad to have had those experiences now because obviously they're going to help me avoid them in the future. But I also then get to talk about them here and in my course and in my social media content so that I can help you avoid the same mistakes. So I think if I'd want you to take anything away from this episode, I would say, number one, slow down. I talked about this with MJ in episode two, but being slow and intentional really is the faster, more effective route, even though it sounds contradictory. And number two, even though once you get the hang of UGC and you've been in it for a while, it really is a low effort way to make money. I think more goes into it than people really think about. And so I just wanted to kind of give you a glimpse into that and kind of the behind the scenes of, you know, what it takes to actually be creating for and negotiating with these brands. So yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you learned a lot of valuable things in this episode and I will catch you on socials. If you liked this episode, it would make my day to hear about it. Please don't hesitate to share your thoughts on Instagram and tag me at Gina Galliotto or shoot me a DM letting me know so I can continue sharing episodes you love. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to the Social Spectrum podcast and leave a five-star review so we can stay in each other's worlds. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Until next time, friend.